0: Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. The best decoration in the world is a room full of books. Billy Baldwin. Libraries Inspire Readers by me, Ruth Ayres. I grew up surrounded by books. My mom was a book lover and the head librarian at our small town library. There were always books around our house, and the library was my second home. I have always been an avid reader. Some of my earliest memories are of snuggling on the couch as a family, reading picture books together, then buried in a quilt with a mystery or a biography as a preteen. I moved to the classics in high school, wanting to love them, but rarely absorbed in the story. I motivated myself by having a mystery waiting in the wings. In my early adult years, you would find me in the university library, surrounded by nonfiction books. I fell in love with brain research deep in the stacks. As a student, I never ever sat in a classroom with a library inside of it. I hope that today's students never ever have to make that statement. Although not the only requirement for growing a reader, but when one is surrounded by books, the likelihood of becoming a reader skyrockets. Classroom libraries are no longer a flashy new idea. They are a staple for many classrooms. In this issue, contributors share how they continue to shift their classroom libraries to grow readers in organic ways. Join us on social media this week as we engage in the choice chat. Share a gratitude by leaving a comment on any of our social media channels. We're giving away a free course to one commenter on each platform. The winner chooses the course. This week, we look at classroom libraries, plus more, as always. Melanie you're the feature contributor for this month and I'm so excited to highlight your work on the site. But one of the the delightful surprises has been your book pick Octopus Stew for book club for this month.
1: I'm so glad that you that you liked Octopus Stew and that it was a new one. It's been a favorite since since I read it the first time, I was I was not, it, it has kind of a surprise in the middle, right? And I wasn't expecting it, and it's been fun to share it with people. So I just want listeners to know that they can get into the book club on the site.
0: There's a special link um, in the top right. It says book club. And if they click on it, they can join the book club. And in there is a book talk video by you an article that you wrote and just a way to interact a little bit with others about this book.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for putting that up there and, and for highlighting both the book and my work, Ruth, I really appreciate it and all that you do at choice literacy. It's a lot. And it's a gift to the, to the community of educators that read. Yeah. And it is, it's just fun to be part of the
0: community and to meet people and The the book club, as featured contributors have been choosing and selecting the book, you know, the, the two requirements are it's a book that'll get us to talk and it's a book that you would use with kids. And I think that we have the most eclectic book list around. It's just been really a joy to do that. Another way to interact is with the choice chat and on our social media feeds, there's a, the current choice chat is to share a gratitude by leaving a comment on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And we're going to give away a free course to one commenter on each platform. So that's a, another way just to connect a little bit with like-minded educators.
1: Again, thank you. It's always, you're just always so generous. So that's awesome. Did you take a
0: look at Sean Musselman's blog post on the teacher book readers blog?
1: I did. And I would say, I I think everybody should read it. There is, I, I loved the vulnerability that came through in that post about finding books and keeping books and recognizing books that um, that touch kids and that mean something to the, diff- the 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 kids that are in the classroom. I think being responsive to kids on an in like on a daily basis, right? Like they're constantly changing, and he gives some great ideas for how you can keep books changing within the classroom, and and also you know we were talking about giving ourselves grace before we started recording and he gives himself grace and I think in that sense gives other people grace in in the journey that um, that we're all on trying to have, inclusive books and responsive books and meaningful books for kids in classrooms. Yeah, I appreciate just even
0: the title, The Less Than Perfect Journey Towards Expanding His Classroom Library. And he gives kind of four steps. And like you said, that last one is be okay with less than perfect and just acknowledging the time constraints and that this is something that small steps matter and it takes some time, build our libraries and
1: to grow them. I also you know the the next article too the the one that's um, older from Mandy Robeck I, I loved how she points out that there's complications to books that you that you don't even realize until you look at them closely from the headspace of a child like what what pictures and how complicated are the pictures what's what are the graphics what's the text what are the words used and I think that even when we're considering Lexile levels or um, looking at the reviews and what age group they're from, sometimes you can miss um, the complexity of books and, and think about the readiness of kids for those. So I appreciated the insights that she had in that post as well. I did too, and I thought her tables were
0: helpful in helping, you know, readers just think through things and and have that mind shift that she is she's just discussing in the article. I got a kick out of Mary Lee Han's article, "Reaction and Intention: Rethinking the Library in the Early Winter." Um, I think Mary Lee, one of her strengths as a writer, is just how candid she is with what's going on in her classroom. And in this article, um, she shares this rash decision that she makes. It is that there will be no more reading of graphic novels in room 226 for the rest of the year. And she says, you know, like she claims it as reactionary, authoritarian, and quite unlike me, but also this desperate move because she wants to to move her kids forward. And so then the rest of the article is about the the consequences that happened from that decision and her really candid discussion about how to move students, uh, how to continue to grow them as readers.
1: Well, I think, yes, and that there are lots of different ways to grow, I think would be another one of her reflections that comes through in, in that as she reflects on the decision to to take out all of the the baby mouse books right like there are different there are different pathways for growth as readers and I thought that was a beautiful insight.
0: In Mary Lee's article she talks about being intentional about rotating her classroom library so that it's not a rash decision but this intentional move in order to continue growing readers and in The new classic classroom content, Melissa Quimby shares an article called The Seasons of the Classroom Library.
1: Yeah, and I think that the idea of changing the classroom library as seasons change does so many things simultaneously that are effective and powerful because it's great to build kids' awareness of seasons changing, but it's also, I I haven't thought about it as a rationale and a structure for changing libraries and I, and I think it's a really great one. Um, so it, you, that article just could really inspire people to think about different ways and reasons for, for shifting the classroom library. I love how Melissa includes some questions for teachers
0: to to reflect and to really make those decisions intentionally and purposefully and what makes sense for, for the kids in their own rooms. hmm 100%. Gretchen Trader also has an article about leading students toward underused sections of the classroom library. I love this because, again, it's about this intentional move on Gretchen's part in order to just widen her students' reading lives.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, like they're not necessarily the pieces that I know, but I loved again, it's the same concept, right? As building readers' diets and just thinking you you might experiment with reading something that you wouldn't have normally read and it might it might spark something. And I thought that There were just a lot of ideas that were not just for a high school classroom that you could definitely gleam on as an elementary teacher just in terms of the variety of reading that exists. Um, I also really appreciated the fact that she includes picture books because I love the idea that high school students are reading picture books. There's so much complexity to them and and I feel like picture books are wasted on the young, right? everybody should read some picture books now and then. Oh, definitely. And
0: Gretchen, those those who are interested in that work um, can poke around on the site uh, on Gretchen's page because she has done a lot of work about um, teaching kids how to analyze literature through using picture books and building their background knowledge and just so much work there and the value that Gretchen gives picture books. Is something that we can all learn from. You know, Melanie, I loved how she referred to things as the jilted genres. And I think that's true. Um, And, you know, she had a few in her classroom, but I think it's, it's something just to think about in all of our, our rooms, like what are those jilted genres that kids are avoiding that we can, can
1: help them move towards. Mm, yeah and what's the value of those jilted genres right like sometimes we run past something that's really valuable both I mean that's it's a great reminder for books and life exactly so we've also in the classic
0: classroom section have included two videos one is an encore video um, about uh, organizing the classroom library. And then another is a brand new video from Christy Rush-Levine. Just last week, I was in Christy's classroom and recorded some things for the site. And this is one of those videos that we just recorded But Christy's talking about just a simple system uh, to organize her classroom library. It's a massive library. Um, and she's really just created a system that works and is something that, kids like this idea of moving from book talks to a to be read list, to actually getting your hands on the light on the book from the classroom library. Um, it's just a good video to watch through a really short one. I think it's less than a minute, but to think about the organization system of, of your classroom library and how that helps get books in the hands of kids.
1: Right. and. You know, I think an overriding theme or like pulse of all of these articles and videos for me was just involving kids in it. And, you know, yes, we we want to create these spaces and that invite students to pick up different books and expand their literary diet and get them growing but also there's so much power in having this, having students be part of the organization and the decision-making that happens. And I loved the way that concept came through because then it, it's ultimately responsive to the kids, which is part of the goal. Like the goal is getting kids to to read better and read with love and, and appreciate the joy of reading. But, um, The idea of just including them and inviting them into that organization process came through so beautifully in all of these posts. And and I I don't want to miss saying that. I'm glad that you
0: acknowledge that because I think that really is, um, you know, the heart of choice literacy and what what sets it apart is that it is about um, putting the responsibility and the energy that comes from children and being so attuned to the personal needs of kids. Bitsy has this great course um, called the Gradual Release of the Primary Classroom Library. And it does the same thing. It's like thinking about kids and how do we put them um, kind of in the driver's seat of their reading lives and how does the classroom library help kids with book selection and just learning who they are as readers at the primary level. We also highlight a, cl- a course in the Literacy Leader section of the newsletter. And this is Dana Murphy's course about coaching cycles.
1: Um, and you know, again, I, I feel like there's a pulse to this whole newsletter. Dana is so beautifully attuned to student centered coaching and having the work be about student growth and teacher growth kind of comes along with the student growth and so again it's the focus is on kids and what kids need and and that's a highlight of Dana so it's like the perfect. Segue of all of these different articles and putting the onus on kids and their responsibility to um, putting the spotlight on kids and what they need in order to grow. So I
0: loved Gwen Blumberg's new article, aiming for a five on a scale of one to ten. Um, it's really an article about well, kind of like what you know we started with with Sean's blog post, just this um, imperfect journey and. And understanding that there needs to be some space as we figure things out.
1: You know, your coaching minute that you put out, Ruth, about accepting lack of closure, I think that's so important. There's so much striving for what's the final word that I'm going to say and how am I going to wrap this up with something brilliant? And we can't always get there, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like. that's just not the case all the time. So I just, I really appreciated the reminder to accept that lack of closure. It's kind of along the same lines of, um, you know, going back to that first one of not letting the perfect get in the way of the good.
0: The newsletter closes with, with Brian Seppe, where he's guiding us into making gratitude practice part of each day. And he has this a post called gratitude can start with your feet. Um, and he talks about how, you know, when he wakes up in the morning and his feet hit the ground, he makes it a point to be grateful. And I appreciated his post just as this reminder that we can weave uh, the practice of gratitude into our daily lives and that it then seeps out into everything that we do.
1: Right. I loved his feet hitting the floor and him saying, I'm smiling. Like, I think I sometimes discount the positive energy that comes just with a smile, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I get concentrating so hard and I lose my smiles, and people are like, What's the matter? Nothing. And there's nothing, but there is so much positive energy that comes from a smile. And his post has a great reminder about that. <laughs> At Choice Literacy,
0: we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like Choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes, or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.